But in case you don't believe how common this is, here's a little clip from a movie that sort of lays this out for us. Let's watch. All right, well, Emmett, since you asked, here's the basic plot of the Lego movie. Uh, Lord Business is planning to destroy the world by gluing it together. Someone has to stop this evil plot. So Emmett is mistaken as the master builder or the special, and, uh, he, but he joins with some great people, Vitruvius, Lucy, and Batman, and an awesome team who eventually defeat the bad guys. In fact, they even convince Lord Business to change for the better. And in response, the people of Bricksburg rejoice, and everyone, including Batman, calls Emmett a true hero. Need, solution, response. It's a very common storyline. We see it all the time. We've experienced it ourselves. In the Bible, there are a lot of stories with this same plot. Moses versus Pharaoh. Deborah versus Sisera. David versus Goliath. Esther versus Haman. Elijah versus the prophets of Baal. Many others. All of these stories ultimately end with God triumphing. Good triumphing over evil. And we also see this in other places in the Bible, not just in actual stories, but in in writings. For example, in Psalm 107, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to that um, over from Luke, and we'll come back to Luke in just a second. But I, I just want us to understand this theme is so common, and understand how this is so tied in with the story that we've already heard. It's amazing how God ties these together. In Psalm 107, starting in verse 26, this is the need. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. And you might be facing a storm right now or know someone who is. And as we talk through this today, and I hope as Cindy talked Today, you were thinking about that storm, that struggle, that need, because God wants to do something about it. Then look at verses 28 and 29. Here we find the solution. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm with a whisper, the waves of the sea were hushed. Pretty cool parallel, huh? Recognize that God can and God will triumph over the storm. But you have to be with God and you have to call on him. And then look at the response, verses 30 to 32. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Remember to thank God when the solution is provided. Now let's return to Luke and and see these same three basic elements. First, the need. 
And we know what that is. The disciples are with Jesus in a boat, and a violent storm comes up, or a squall, as the Bible calls it. And as I was thinking about that, I, I started thinking about the situation with Jesus asleep and all those things. And, and I, I kind of tend to go toward rabbit trails, you know. So I, I thought, just a couple of questions here about this. Could I fall asleep in a house when there's no big storm? Or if there's just a little bit of rain? In fact, that might be even better. But yeah, I could. Could you do that? Could you fall asleep in, in, your, in your bed? At your house? Probably. I assume you could do that. Could you fall asleep in the boat when there's no storm? Eh, maybe. Would I stay asleep in my house when a violent storm is taking place? Honestly, it's pretty unlikely. A lot of you probably wake up, right, when you hear that, that crack of thunder or even feel it. Can you imagine being in a boat when a storm is going on all around you and your boat is rocking and you stay asleep? That is not going to happen in my world. It's just not going to happen. But Jesus isn't like us. It's interesting, some commentators, when they're talking about uh, this passage, when they, when they talk about the word when Jesus rebukes the storm, there's, there's an implication that the storm may have a demonic force behind it, that Jesus is actually rebuking uh, some sort of evil force there. Now, whether or not that is the case, here's the point. We're going to talk about this demonic activity a little bit more next week in the next story. But the point is this, whether this is just a natural storm that comes up because of the fallen, broken, natural world, or whether there is some demonic influence behind it, Jesus has power over it. Jesus can, can calm the storm. See, there is good news because there is a solution, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus gets up from his nap, and he tells the storm to calm down, and it does. And that's it. <laughs> that's all we hear. That's the solution. Jesus simply looks at the storm, and he tells the storm who's boss. Now, what's interesting in this story is the response. It's a little bit different from the one in Psalms. It's a little bit different from the Lego movie when everybody rejoices. The response of the disciples in this story is kind of unique. They do have a response. But it's not thanksgiving, although I think that probably happened, but what, what really Luke records for us is they're kind of freaked out. They're a little bit scared. They're a little bit intimidated because Jesus is not like an ordinary person, and the more they see him, the more they realize they're in the presence of God. And in their theology, that was not possible. So they're struggling with this whole idea. See, in the midst of all of this, there are two questions that are asked. One is asked by Jesus, and one is asked by his followers. Two questions. The first one is the one from Jesus to his disciples, and he says, where's your faith? Jesus asks his disciples a question 
So they will begin to examine their relationship with him. See, even after all this time with Jesus, they still don't fully trust who he is. If they did, they wouldn't have gone crazy because of this storm. Master, how can you sleep? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you care what's happening? We are not going to survive this. Is Jesus asleep because he doesn't know? No. Is Jesus asleep because he doesn't care? No. Jesus is making a very important and a very bold statement. Even when you think I'm not paying attention, even when you think I'm asleep, even when you think I don't care, even then, I'm the solution to your problem. I'm in control. Relax. Calm down. Be at peace. He's completely aware of the storm. But he's so confident he can sleep in the middle of it. When we truly trust Jesus, we can rest in the middle of the storm. From chaos, Jesus can bring calm. He might not do it in our timetable or in the exact way that we expect that he would do it, but he will do it. In World War II, Allied troops found the following note written on a basement wall when they entered Cologne, Germany. It captures this idea of faith that Jesus is talking about. Here's what was written on the wall. I believe in the sun even when it is not shining. I believe in love even when I don't feel it. I believe in God even when God is silent. Their belief was tied to action. It was real to them. And, and real faith is tied to our actions, as James later points out in his letter. So pay attention to what Jesus does and what he doesn't do. When there's chaos, if Jesus is calm, you need to be calm too. And maybe when there's calm, if Jesus is acting, it's a good idea for us to act as well. Watch Jesus. So where is your faith? Do you, do I really, absolutely trust Jesus? Second question. This is the one the disciples ask each other. Who is this? Luke wants us to wrestle with that question. The disciples ask it here. In the next chapter, Herod is going to ask the same question. And soon Jesus is going to ask his disciples, who do you say that I am? 
we have to answer this question too. Who is Jesus? A few weeks ago when Jordan and I were recording the video uh, about the parable of the sower and we were in front of the corn, um, there was a lot of wind and it was messing with a microphone and my hair was just going crazy. And um, it was a real problem. So at one point I just, I said, peace, be still. Nothing changed. (laughs) The reason it didn't change is because I'm not Jesus. Jordan isn't Jesus. The disciples aren't Jesus. None of us are Jesus. So we may not be in your boat, but Jesus is. We don't necessarily know what each other's storms are, but Jesus knows. We don't have power over the chaos in your life, but Jesus does. Who is Jesus? Well, books can't fully describe him. But there's one passage in in Colossians that gives us at least a part of this overall picture of Jesus. And I would ask, just so you can hear it differently, that you would close your eyes as I read it for us. Jesus has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all, who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything, For God in all his fullness fullness was pleased to live in Jesus, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. So, who is Jesus? He's no ordinary man. He is God in the flesh. He gives life. He is love. He brings light to the darkness. He gives hope. He restores every heart that is broken. Now, the disciples had seen Jesus do a lot of cool things. They saw Jesus raise people, touch people, heal people. But understand, they were not those people. This, this is personal. This is their chaos. 
their storm, their lives. See, until you experience Jesus personally, it's all just stories. But when you see Jesus calm your chaos and still your storm and bring peace to your life, you see him differently. So, when the storm is raging, trust Jesus. When you have no control, trust Jesus. When no one else can help you, trust Jesus. When your boat is completely swamped, trust Jesus. When you feel like you're going to die, trust Jesus. Now notice this, as Cindy said, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus, and he was the one who said, let's go. See, when you're close to Jesus, it's easy to speak to him. When you're next to Jesus, he experiences what you experience. When you're beside Jesus, you benefit when he calms the storm. Our story also has three elements, a need, a solution, and a response. Our need is that death and sin are the enemies of all people, and we are separated from God, and we can't do anything about it. <clears throat> Our solution is Jesus. He gives his life on the cross, and he rises from the dead, and he defeats both sin and death. He is our solution. Our response? Well, honestly, that's the part that's up to you. You might be just at that place where you're saying, honestly, I'm still asking the question, who is Jesus? If you want to talk more about that, you can contact us this week or you can come up uh, during this song and we can begin a dialogue We'd love to walk through that with you. Or maybe you are ready now. You're saying, you know, I've been close to Jesus, but not like I need to. And I, I want to give my life back to him today. I want to surrender who I am to him. We would tell you that following Jesus is a lifelong, wonderful, mysterious journey. <laughs> But the first steps on that journey are very clear. You confess who Jesus is. You admit that you need him. You trust him with your life. You surrender yourself in faith. You're baptized. You connect with his death and burial and resurrection. It's not complicated. If you want to do that today, you can come forward. And again, we'll help you through those first steps. For all of us who have already taken those steps to follow Jesus, we need to respond as well. Let's respond by keeping our eyes on Jesus and trusting him fully. Let's give thanks and let's praise him with the very breath in our lungs because we know that Jesus is in control. Amen? You have a need. Jesus is the solution. What's your response?